Welcome back to the Live Tight, Hang Loose podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Litt, a self-proclaimed celestial being because I'm proficient at Microsoft Excel and getting blocked on Tinder. In today's episode, I will be interviewing the most stable, unstable person I have ever met. His name is Z, and he's blessed me with the opportunity to interview him. I choose to do this because I think he is incredibly interesting and has a lot of valuable advice and experiment, experiment, yeah, experience that y'all can relate to and gain insight from. How are you doing, Dizzy? I'm doing good. What are you doing on Tinder to get you blocked? I send some compromising pictures. That's fair. That's fair. Not, not dick pics. This is the second time I've talked about dick pics in this podcast, but I promise I don't send unsolicited dick pics as oh. a form of sexual assault. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I do my best not to do that. All right. Uh, I'm Z. I'm uh, 27 years old. I grew up in San Diego, California. I have family in Georgia, so I would spend a lot of my summers in Georgia. Um, growing up, I, you know, at 18, I worked a lot. I tried to go to community college. I ended up going to university, dropping out, and now I've uh, joined the, the U.S. Navy. So that's how Bobby Litt and I have met. All right, awesome. So uh, that's awesome. Did you enjoy Georgia? Uh, hanging out over there with your family? When I was a kid, um, yeah, I always, you know, loved going to Georgia, seeing my family. Uh, out in California, it's just, uh, like, growing up was me, my mom, my dad, and my brother, and that was really, like, it. So going back home was always really good because, you know, my, I had my cousins, my grandma, my aunt, my uncle, and I really don't get to see them a lot. And it's just, it's really different. Like, Georgia's crazy different from San Diego. Just the weather, the people... Yeah, just the whole, I like things that are different, getting out of my comfort zone. So I think that's part of the thing that started it. So that was probably pretty nice having that contrast of life in California versus life in Georgia. Yeah, and like talking to my mom, she, as a young mother, took us out of Georgia because she wanted a better life for us, mainly for like the school system. She works in the school systems. And like to see the contrast of like even the little things, um, Namely, like, just fucking racism. Like, my grandma isn't a hateful racist, but she's so old and she grew up in Georgia that, like, there are these borders that you don't do certain things. And being from California, it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, if I want to date a black girl, I'm going to date a black girl because she's a girl. But your grandma wouldn't be cool with you dating my a black gra- girl. My grandma would lose it. <laughs> <laughs> she would be like, what the hell are you doing? That's wild. And she might... She might love that chick. She might meet her and think she's wonderful, but in her heart of hearts, it's just not the way things are supposed to be because of the way she was raised. And like knowing that is kind of weird because my gra- my grandma's a loving woman. Yeah. And she's not hateful about it. She doesn't hate black people, Asian people, any any certain color. They're just these borders that were set for her as a child. All right, that makes sense. So was that kind of weird, like, when you realized that your grandma was racist just out of nowhere? You're just like, oh, man, I love my grandma. And then you're kind of older, and then you're like, yo, grandma's kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a little different. I mean, and again, it's if it was a hateful thing, it would be a more of a problem. Yeah. But she's not, and that's where my, like, I'm, I know I'm not going to change her mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, she's... Fucking like seventy years old. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, you can, but like, it's it's gonna be a very uphill battle. And so, like, you know, she, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna change her mind. And what she's doing isn't hurting anyone really. It's not like she's fucking protesting about it and burning shit down. Like, she's just an old woman who keeps to herself and has her, her morals and her teachings, and like. Her son, my uncle, he he's a ex-army. He used to be a sheriff. He used to do Georgia SWAT. He's a highway state patrol. He's kind of where it's, like, especially with law enforcement, there are these weird stereotypes that it's almost instilled in them to keep them safe. 
and like all this shit that's going on right now has es- like that's a whole another topic an escalated topic but it's weird to see him where it's like he's more of a joker so he more jokes about it but like him and my mom when they get in the same room they butt heads so bad sometimes damn just because of conflicting views and I wouldn't say that he's hateful but sometimes the shit he says gets to the point where it's like alright I'm either gonna like you know, get out of this conversation because I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're my uncle. You're older than me. You're doing your thing. I'm just going to leave because this is getting to the point where it's like I'm getting uncomfortable. So you were getting uncomfortable with your uncle. Well, when you say it like that. <laughs> Show me on this doll where he touched you. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, oh, man. It was bad. It's okay. We don't have we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> can we can we move on? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, you know, you talked a little bit about your childhood, you know, uh kind of fluctuating between Georgia and California. What would well how would you describe your overall childhood? How was it for you? I think that I had a very good childhood. I don't think that I was ever missing anything that I needed. Um I grew up in a pretty good area in San Diego. It's pretty much the suburbs, you know, pretty rich, white. But, you know, I'm with a single mom, so, you know, I wasn't the rich kid. I wasn't necessarily, like, the poor kid. I was, you know, just kind of in the middle. Yeah. Middle, lower class, I would say. Because um, my mom's good with her money and the, and the fact that she doesn't, like, spend it on random shit to flaunt. She's really good about saving it. Yeah, she spends, like, on the necessities. Exactly. So we never had, you know, like, crazy new stuff. We'd get, like, maybe a game system for Christmas for both my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, our one big gift, right? But, um, you know, I, I had an older brother growing up with. He was four and a half years older than me. My dad really wasn't in the picture. So uh, that was kind of, like, my role model growing up was, like, my older brother. Mm-hmm. And... My mom worked a lot because she had to support two kids. So she was really gone from, you know, like once we're at school till about six o'clock at night. So I had a good amount of freedom. Yeah. Um, when I got older, I had been wrestling, you know, and I started to get like really angry. I was a really angry kid at some point. And... You know, a bunch of shit happened. I got really sad. I was doing crazy shit. But all that said and done, I can't necessarily, like, blame that on, like, my environment. Like, my environment really wasn't that bad. Yeah. It could have been better, yeah. But, like, if I were to go back, I wouldn't change anything about it. Half of it, sure, is, like, my mom's working so fucking hard that she can't be there all the time. The other half of it is, like, I was doing really dumb shit. But in doing that dumb shit, I, I've learned a fuck ton. I've learned a lot about, like, life and about who I am and about the things that I like and I don't like and what I should do and what I shouldn't do because I've experienced the shit and I've been lucky enough not to actually have anything, like, follow me up to here with my shitty mistakes. That's pretty good. Yeah. I would say you made out pretty well from that then. It's been, yeah, it's, it's, part of it is like luck and part of it is just being smart about things. If you're going to do something that you shouldn't do, be smart about it. Yeah. You know? Do you think that some of that anger that you had when you were younger came from the fact that your dad wasn't around? Yes and no. Yeah. I would say because without my dad being there... I didn't really have that, like, like that gauge. Like, you know, when you're young, you, you like, smart, you start talking back to your mom, and your dad's like, what the hell did you just say to your mom? Yeah, and then you're like, oh, I said this, and then it's like, oh, fuck, here comes the belt. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have that. So, like, mom's trying to do that. So mom's trying to play dad, but not really doing that well. And then while she's playing dad, she's not playing mom. Okay. So it was kind of like I had half of both. 
and part of like my mom was a, a psychologist growing up, child psychologist, which is it's fucking. Oh awesome. shit! Yeah, child fun. psychologist. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Oh, funny story. So she used to bring. Uh, she works with special needs kids, and so I remember when we were younger, she would just bring these tests in to just practice. Yeah. And when my brother got older, he was about 13, 14 or something. She brought in this test where it's this picture. And it's this family sitting down at the kitchen table, fireplace, eating dinner. She goes, make a story. My brother made this terrible fucking story about how the dad's beating the kid and all this shit. Just to, just to mess with her. And after she scores it, she goes, you scored emotionally disturbed. And he started dying of laughter. And she never brought test home again. <laughs> and that was just like, at one point, that's what it got to was like, my mom would bring home or work home, not in just the simple well, like the test, but as in stress. And when things weren't the way that she wanted them, we normally got yelled at. And for years, it was good son, bad son, good son, bad son, until we finally were. My brother and I were finally like, you know what? Screw that! Like we're gonna start sticking up for each other. And so it turned into a lot of screaming matches for a couple of years. Yeah. So it kind of went from, you know, not really understanding how this whole parenting thing is going because you only got your mom and you kind of could tell that she was doing too much or like not kind of in the right mind. And then eventually it just kind of got to the point where you were all just kind of yelling at each other and getting a little sick of each other. But it was always kind of like you and your brother together because you said earlier that he's your role model. Yeah. So it was kind of like almost two separate teams going. F, yeah. It like... Me and my brother finally just kind of, like, buckled down, and we were like, all right, we're not going to get fucking... We're not just going to get berated anymore. But so a lot of that probably was, you know, why I was angry. Like, I remember senior year just waking up, and, like, her and I got into an argument about something, and I went to class, and I was in my English teacher's class, and he was a really cool guy. I had a lot of respect for him, and I always had a lot of respect for my teachers. And that was the thing, is even if I was, like, bothersome or upset... I always gave my teachers a lot of respect. If I respected you, even if I was pissed off, I would, I'm not going to like throw it at you. But so I'm sitting in the class and he's trying to get people to quiet down. And this one kid won't shut up. And I go, yo, Tyler, shut up. Turns around and goes, fuck you. And I just had such a bad morning. that I'm just like staring at him, staring at him. And my friend gets his attention. I say something to him. And that teacher hears, he's like, just go outside, go outside. Like, he just, he knew. But it was just small things like that that, you know, people say you don't know how people's day are. And it could just set you off. Like, yeah. it was just something little like that. Like, kind of, you never know what someone's going through, so, you know, treat them the way that you would want to be treated. Yeah. And it was just, like, small things like that senior year had started to build up. Um, but the other thing is, too, is, like, when I think back to it, my mom was... Part of the reason my mom's also so upset is because she sees so much of my father in both my brother and I, and my father kind of really did some fucked up shit to her when, it, like, when he had he had my brother, they had him in Florida, drove across the country to San Diego, my dad cheated on her, she flies back to Georgia, they meet up again at some point, get back together, drive out here, have me out here, and he does it again. Damn. Yeah. So it's like, I understand why my mom hates my fucking dad. The, the weird thing is that she still loves him. Like, she loves him. But she also hates what he's done to her. So, you know, being stressed out, working your fucking ass off, you know, getting it from both ends. You, you go to work and you're just fucking getting it. You come home and you're just fucking getting it. You don't have a fucking husband to support you because he's a piece of shit and you're seeing that in your kids. Like... That's a lot. Yeah. And, and she's going to college and working and taking care of two kids. She's fucking hustling. Yes. And that's one thing is, is through all this bullshit, as I like, now that I'm older, I'm 27, me and my mom are best friends. Yeah. Because I have the respect of like, I, I can see like, holy shit, she literally did everything she fucking could just to support my brother and I. And although maybe she didn't do it perfectly, and there were things that were, like, you know, could have been better, at least she fucking tried. And she never fucking gave up. Not once did she give up. So now it's kind of like, as you've gotten older, 
your mom has transitioned into your role model because now you kind of understand what she did for you guys and what she had to go through in order to raise you and treat you the way that she did and teach yeah. you the lessons and support and provide for you. I wish I could be as driven as she is. Like there, I, I, you know, when I went to school, I couldn't go to school and have a job. It just didn't work for me. It didn't mix. I was, I started working and then I started missing class and my grades just dropped. You know, she's full-time student and working as a waitress and taking care of two kids. Damn. At like 22, 23, two kids. I was like 23, I was 21 when I went to college, and I was like, no, if I had a kid right now, I don't know what the fuck I would do. Definitely couldn't take care of a kid right now. <laughs> yeah. I can barely take care of myself. Bro. Yeah, and it's like, uh, growing up, you know, I was so kind of a wild child that I'm a little late in the game, like, just kind of doing that stuff, making sure that I, you know, take care of myself and all the necessities instead of saying, fuck it, let's go party. Now, you see, that's definitely what I want to get into here is I don't understand how you can be as chill as you are right now, but also some days I am afraid of you. <laughs> I'm afraid for my life being in the same room as you, man. Like, you know, you said you were a bit of a wild child growing up, but I don't think that's really stopped. Um, yeah, it, it hasn't, it hasn't. It's, uh, it's kind of like something that's, I think I get part of it from my dad. My dad is like this big kid. He's always got this energy to him where he's just like, he's always fun, you know? He's always fun to be around and he's... It's part of like, it's almost theatrics for me. It's almost like playing a role. Yeah, you enjoy it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I fucking love it, bro, because I'm good at it too. Within the first week I met you, you told me you hear voices in your head. <laughs> How long did you believe me? I still believe you. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, they're not, like, that bad anymore, so, you know, they, go, they come and go. Calm down a bit. Yeah, they... <laughs> I don't know, there was that guy who pulled the knife on me in Main Deck Lounge. I was here for, like, uh, a month, and... Holy shit, yeah, someone did, I, I remember you told me someone pulled a knife on you. Yeah, and that, dude, that just pissed me off for, like, a month. Because I really didn't do anything to deserve it. Like, I'm totally joking with this guy, he turns around and pulls a knife a foot from my neck, and I'm just like, like, in that situation, nowadays, I know better just to completely ignore that person. Yeah. I don't look at you, I don't talk to you, I don't talk about you. That's how I kind of deal with that shit now. It's like, it, at that point, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, have to do anything to do with you. So I'm just going to pretty much blot you out as best I can. I'll work with you. Like, yeah. we're in the Navy. If I have to work with you, I'll work with you. Doesn't mean I have to like you. Doesn't mean I have to spend my liberty with you. 100% true. So what would 18-year-old Zach would have done at that point. He probably would have tried to fight the fucker. Or at least get into a... a he would just... Uh, yeah, he would go in. And that's one thing is like... I've said this before, I think you've heard me say. It's like, I'm the little fish who never found the bigger fish. Like, I'm not a big guy. But I'm not afraid of shit, really. Yeah. Like, I'm really not. I'll fight a big dude. I'll fight a little dude. I'll fight whatever. Because I just haven't found something that really puts me in my place there. But I'm always more diplomatic when it actually comes to it. Until you throw that punch, I'm going to talk my way out of it. Mm -hmm. Because I, it's the adult thing to do. You know, it's like, I'm 27 now. I don't want assault charges. Because that's not good. When I was 18, I didn't give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck if I got assault charges. I didn't care. I was just, I was literally like, go, go have fun. You know, yep. we're going to go, we're going to go do whatever the fuck we want. There ain't no rules. I'm going to go drive way too fast and fight whoever I want if I want to. And that, the weird thing though, is I never have really been in a fight. I wrestled for 15 years, but I never got an actual fight. No one wanted to fight me when I grew up, when I was growing up. Damn. Well, yeah, that's, uh. It's probably a good thing that you had wrestling as that outlet, right? For all of the anger you kind of had when you were growing up, for sure. Yeah. Wrestling definitely was something to pour myself into. Yeah. And, like, when I was 
like a sophomore and a junior, I had this buddy, Scott, who was, I, I had, we had, I had known him from elementary school, middle school, and high school. We'd gone to all the same school. He was a year above me. And he was a great wrestling partner because he and I could get a little fiery. Like, we could kind of start to get a little heavy-handed. Yeah, you could scrap, go at it. Yeah. And there'd be no hard feelings. Exactly. There was that mutual respect, and it was like we're actually pushing each other. We're pushing each other, and we're using what we have. We both were a little angry about, about something. And it wasn't about each other, but we could dip into that resource and learn how to kind of control it instead of let, letting it control us and use it for wrestling. Yeah. And by senior year, they're just the team wasn't there. The team wasn't on that level. There was no one that I could get into that place with and like either A, not break them, or B, like have that respect. It just wasn't there, and I started to lose like my interest in it. So what kind of came out of you not being able to use wrestling as an outlet anymore? Like, by the time you were out of high school, and then I remember you started going to college around, like, age of 21? Or... Yeah. So when I stopped wrestling, I was – I had been doing drama, like, acting for – since I was a freshman. So you are a wrestler and a theater kid. And I also did dive. And you did dive. Yeah. Impressive. I started dive when I was a junior. I did theater when I was a freshman. I started wrestling when I was, like, in sixth grade. And I wrestled through, like, community college and on and off clubs and stuff. Um, yeah, I had... Theater was pretty good. And it was funny because I was always kind of, like, casted as the angry one. Like, I was always kind of the best at doing that for some reason. But it just kind of worked. Um... Dive was really fun. Dive was super relaxed. That was some place I could just hang out and chill. You know, I'd go to dive and I'd just hang out in a fucking speedo, look at girls in a bathing suit, <laughs> dive for an hour or two and hang out in the jacuzzi when, you know, we're not. And then just bounce. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was super cool. Um, after that, you know, I just, I got a job. Started working at Rubio's. I was dating somebody and, uh, that's when I think I really started experimenting with, like, harder drugs. That's what it got into. You know, I had been smoking weed. I had been drinking. I was smoking cigarettes. I started smoking cigarettes when I was a freshman. Freshman in high school? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what kind of cigarettes? I started with reds, and then I would smoked so many reds and gotten so fucking sore that I went back down to 27s. So they were, like, a step down. I was never much of a menthol guy. So then, out of that started to come this little party animal that you kind of were growing up. Yeah, yeah. and that was a that was a stage of my experimentation. That was kind of like, all right, I'm gonna go out and try as many things as I'm comfortable with, and some that I'm uncomfortable with, and figure out, kind of like kind of like find myself and figure out what my tendencies and my tastes are figure out what I like what I don't like figure out what you know what scares me and what I'm comfortable with and and push and play with these boundaries and both find out who I am and make who I am yeah you know like instead of just being like oh I'm just afraid of that I'm gonna stay away from that forever like I'm I'm not a very fearful person so when I'm find something I'm afraid of it generally kind of interests me because I think like why am I afraid of that yeah, you kind of think deeper on the matter. It's not just like, oh, well, I'm a little afraid of that, so I'm going to stay away. It's yeah. like, no, I'm afraid of that, so I'm going to dive headfirst yeah. into it. Or like, I was told not to do this. Well, why wasn't I told not to do this? Why shouldn't I do this? Exactly. I want to do this to know why I shouldn't do this. Exactly. And it was that rebellion in me, that rebellious little kid. is kind of like this little punk kid that was just like, I'm going to do what I want. And when you tell me not to do it, I'm going to do it twice as fast and twice as hard. And I'm not going to get in trouble for it because I'm smart. Like, I know how to get out of it, and I know how to, like, that's one thing. I was really going to get myself in trouble, but I was even better at getting out of it. So kind of like Hannibal Lecter in that aspect. Well, that's a whole, we, we go in that in a little bit. <laughs> I had a relationship with a friend who, it, it was very much like that. And that was part of the experimentation is, like, in, in this sort of matter, like, as I started to, like, experiment more, especially with like psychedelics and stimulants, stuff like that, and I kind of had this crazy energy, mm -hmm. I wasn't afraid to let it out anywhere. 
I didn't care what people thought of me. I was just enjoying myself, being crazy, having fun, you know, being a wild child. In this case, kind of like Will Graham. My buddy was almost the Hannibal Lecter. Well, he was just as crazy, just as fucking nutty in his own way, but you would have never guessed it in a million years because he was so well put up. He was so well put together in front of people that behind closed doors, you would never understand how fucking batshit this guy was. And that was like, that was a huge draw to me. It was like, this guy's not only fucking smart, he's clever as fuck. Like, you will never understand, you would never tack him as this type of person. He was a, he played football. He was a fucking Olympic gymnast. He, he was uh, a friend that I went to OU with. That was a big reason, because he was such a good friend of mine that I was like, I'm leaving home, and I got accepted to Iowa and Oklahoma, and I have a friend in Oklahoma, so I'm going to go to Oklahoma. But we just, I mean, we were having fucking fun. We were going and partying and getting crazy and, you know, just having a good fucking time and learning. That was a big thing was, like, he was almost like a mentor as well. He taught me so much about myself, about life. And half the time we're sitting there fucking dying because we're mashed potato brains from the night before. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now, during this experimentation with drugs, was this also around the time that you were experimenting with your sexuality? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was the guy I was experimenting with. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was almost a different thing to me. Like, it was, I had gotten to this point where I didn't know. I really didn't know something about myself. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I had never tried this. And I wasn't necessarily, like, physically attracted to it. Yeah. But there was something there, and I felt it. And that enough alone was, like, enough curiosity for me to go, all right, I'm venturing. I'm going to continue on this path. I want to figure out what this is. Because I don't have my finger on it yet. I don't understand what it is. So I'm going to try to find it, understand what it is before I just, like, pass it aside. Before I just say, no, I'm not like that by So, yeah, you know, back on that, it was just more so you had this curiosity. The connection was there. So as you said prior to that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and dive headfirst into this thing. I'm going to go ahead and figure out why I feel this way. If it's something that is connected to a deeper part of me that I haven't discovered yet, anything like that. Yeah, and uh, I think a big part of it, too, is I was, um, like, really depressed at one point senior year, and probably, like, right at the peak of it was when he came over and kind of, like, picked me up. Like, he cared enough to, like... I hadn't known him, like, too well prior to that day. Prior to that day, he has told me that he had kind of had an eye on me and had watched me. He had seen me kind of going through these waves and then right at the worst point he knew to go kind of snatch me out of my environment and that was what I needed Yeah, he's probably a reason why I'm alive or not brain dead or disabled because yeah. I, had a, I had planned to just smash my head into a corner of a wall and either kill myself or destroy my frontal lobe Damn. that was what I was going to do and he, he, he sensed it somehow he saw it and he pulled me out of my environment, and that was kind of like just, that was the start of it. Yeah. He was there for you when you needed him. Exactly. When you needed someone. Yeah. And that's something that, like, is very dear to me. It's like, if, if you really put your neck out for me, you have no idea what I'll do for you. Yeah. Like, I definitely take care of my own until they turn their backs on me. And that's, I'm fairly loyal, but when I see other people mistreating people, that's what pisses me off, generally. That's when I'm like, all right. I don't know if I can continue to be in this situation. Yeah, you don't appreciate people who belittle others or, you know, kind of act in a manner in which, okay, I'm going to worry about myself only and not those around me. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I really don't like that. I, at some point, like, you have to watch out for yourself, yeah. Yeah. But life is so much more than just feeding your own mouth, you know. It's so much more than just me, 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 me. You grow so much more as a person when you help others. And what's crazy is, like, that's how I learn better. If I know something, like, going through school, if I know something and I can teach someone else and help them, it'll actually help me. 
Yeah, you'll do it. Yeah, it'll help reinforce it in my mind as well. And that's, you know, that's the whole thing with just helping someone out, isn't it? It's karma as well. Yeah. You know, you see someone down, you help them up. When you're down, someone will help you up. So, what's something people seem to misunderstand about you? I think a lot of people, especially that, like, I grew up with and I'm close with, they don't realize how sensitive I actually am. Like, both to just my environment and, like, emotionally inside. I'm pretty well put together on the outside, but, like, when I actually care about something and shit happens, it it really affects me. It really affects me. Like, it's... I don't know if I would say that I'm, like, obsessive-compulsive, but I get obsessive about certain things. And when I do something... Like, and I get it in my pattern, I have to kind of keep doing it. Otherwise, I start to go a little crazy. It fucks you up a little bit. Yeah, and I... It couldn't even be that it's, like, malicious on their end, but part of me almost, like, takes it as that. Like, they're trying to hurt me because I'm so used to this pattern of the way things are that when things start to change kind of too fast, I, I, I kind of, like, lose my grip. And I, like almost fucking spiral sometimes and it's it's generally with my relationships like my romantic relationships when I when I'm used to certain things being a certain way and they change I I, I just I think the worst sometimes and are you in a romantic relationship now? Um, it's complicated but I would say yes okay. and that's it has been a really growing point right now because it's like Especially being here and not necessarily being able to do whatever I want or go wherever I want and fill my time. I'm kind of stuck in this room on this base with only so much to do that I'd love to do things with them. I talk to them all fucking day. But they need that space and that time to kind of do what I did when I was 18 and go find themselves and make some mistakes and with con- with communication, you know, it took time for me to kind of take a step back and kind of be a little bit less selfish and be loving and be like, okay, go to you. Like, I'm going to still be here because I want to be here. You know, not because there's a promise of a reward at the end, but because this is what I want. And I want that for you. Like, if you need to go figure out what you who you are and make mistakes, you know, I'll be here to pick up the pieces because I want I don't want you to fail. I'll be your safety net because we all need that. We all need to go fuck up sometimes and learn our lesson because you're going to keep making the same mistake if you don't learn from that lesson. And some people have never had that opportunity. Never make the same mistake twice. Or you do and you keep making it until you fucking learn from it, you know? Yeah. And that's that's just how it kind of seems to go. So what would you say is like, the biggest mistake that you've made and how you were able to learn from that whether it took you one, two, or three different tries Hmm. I can think of a couple I think one one mistake that I made was that I stopped skateboarding when I was like 13, 14 so you started when you were younger and then you stopped when you were about to enter high school yeah, I was in middle school and I just like, there was there was wrestling and skateboarding, you know, kind of button heads. My coaches were like, what are you doing? You're going to get hurt. And then what was weird is I had this really traumatic experience. And I didn't realize that I hadn't skated after it until I was like 23, 24. Like when I was 13, my mom and my dad and I, we drove to Wyoming to my dad's girlfriend's house. And we were going to stay there for a week. And we're going to go snowboard and have Christmas. All this amazing stuff, right? First night we get there, my dad and his girlfriend, you know, they're drinking, they're having a good time. My mom's having a decent time, what it seems. She was having a terrible time. She drank an entire bottle of wine that night. And in the morning, Christmas morning, she's like, hey, do you want to go snowboarding at Jackson Hole? Which is an awesome fucking mountain. One of the best in the fucking country. And I was like, you know, I just kind of want to open my presents up right now and hang out. And she's like, no, we're going home. Like, right now. Straight up? Yeah, like, we're leaving. Right now. And so I'm fucking distraught. My dad and her are arguing. My dad's throwing her shit around. 
his girlfriend at one point is trying to look for a fucking spark plug to pull it so she can't leave. And so we drive home that day. Well, we, we got to Las Vegas. We got to Las Vegas. We stayed in a hotel and drove back the rest of the morning. And the only thing I got that Christmas was a Transworld magazine and an Element t-shirt. And it took me until I was like 23 or 24 to be like, why the fuck did I stop skating? Like, I didn't put together that I stopped skating after that Christmas. After that Christmas, I never skated again. Yeah. And it, like, it was just kind of like, why? Yeah. Like, even if that shit happened, why did I let that get to me to the point? And it's probably because I was young, but, you know, like, I started skating again when I was older, and I was good, and I was enjoying it. I loved it. I was just a little old, and it kind of hurt, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and you are a good skater, and not only that, you're a skateboarding instructor. And that was, instructing was fucking awesome, man. Like, I loved working with kids. I loved my, my coworkers, you know, we're, we're skate rats. It's what we were, but we got our shit done, and we were good to the kids. Like, that was, that was the thing that was different is, you know, I wasn't just a skate rat. I was, like, I had to kind of be a role model because I yeah. was representing uh, the YMCA it was through the YMCA and so like you know whatever skate park I go to if I see some kid learning I'm about it you know I'll try to help kids out I'll teach them how to drop in I'll do, you know because that was like I remember being a kid learning how to skate I bet you remember being a kid and learning how to skate yeah and that's the cool thing about skateboarding is we all remember being at that level and the level of stoke when you just learn how to drop in just learn how to do one simple thing yeah it's and it, fucking awesome just setting a goal for yourself and then achieving that goal. Yep. And that's all it has to be. You don't have to be the best of the best. You don't have to skate this way. You don't have to skate that way. All you have to do is go, I want to do this. And then do it. And just try hard enough and just don't give up. And that's one thing. It's like, it's just determination. It's all skateboarding really is at some point. It's yeah. how determined you are and how much you're willing to put on the line to do what you want to do to, to achieve your goals it's a lot like life yeah oh yeah. yeah and that was a big part of where I learned about community like hanging out with these kids when I just got there and then in three years like seeing how not only my personality but like my skating style have rubbed off on them like when I got better and started going bigger they got better and started going bigger you know, from going skating this little mini ramp from these kids to skating a 10 foot pool with like a seven year old because he doesn't have fear. He's seven. Know. Yeah. <laughs> but he never really like got put. He never was really like, hey, come over here, look at this, watch, do this. As soon as he sees it and he like admires that, now he wants to do it. Now he wants to drop in the pool all of a sudden because he saw someone who's like, hey, that's my buddy. Oh shit, he do that? I want to do that. Yeah. And now I'm pushing a little kid inadvertently. Yeah, so you're really inspiring these kids. And uh, so I want to go ahead and ask you, what has inspired you lately? Um, lately? I don't know, man. It's For me, it's this whole Navy thing was a lot about wanting to kind of start my next cycle, as in being an adult and being ready to like provide for a future family. Like, to be able to make the sacrifice and get these benefits for my family, my future family, you know, to buy a house, to have something stable where, like, like as a skateboarder, you know, you're, you're what, pro for like a couple of years and you get fucking busted real bad and then you have to start a skateboarding business or something or yep. you're a photographer or something like that. Generally, they become a businessman. I don't want to be a businessman. Fuck that. Yeah. That's not, that's not who I am. So... It was kind of a conversation I had with my significant other where it's like, you know, like this could be something stable and it's not something that I'm necessarily against. When I was 18, I almost joined the Marine Corps, but I never really was about pointing a gun at someone. To me, that's like playing God. Like, I would think who I'm taking that person away from. Yeah. That person's family. And I think that would have fucked me up when I was 18. Probably would have. Yeah. I'm thinking of fuck any of us up. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, you're really like, you're like, what if, what if it was reversed, you know, and I was just taken away from my mom, my dad, my brother, my, my you know, your family, and how distraught that is going to be, because we've been put in a place from the government to fight a war, 
which that's a whole nother thing is like nowadays, you know, I'm like, I see the bigger picture a little bit where it's like, well, someone's got to do it. And it's not a job for everybody. It really isn't. You have to make that sacrifice and kind of put your neck out for, you know, our country. And sometimes you're not fighting for something you believe in necessarily except for the country. It could be a cause that, you know, is arguably like, you know, bullshit propaganda or just some fucking oil proxy war bullshit. Straight up. But, you know, that's none of my concern. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about politics anymore. I really don't. I'm here to do a job as a patriot and to support my family. That's that's all there is to me. Yeah, it's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So, if you were me, what question would you have asked yourself that I haven't? You're so interested about my, like, you're very interested about my instability, and I don't think that has shown as much. So, I, I, I don't know. I think I would just go more into that, like, I don't know what the question is to ask, but I can certainly, like, open up about it more. Because we kind of talked about the origin a little bit. Yeah. And But uh, we haven't talked about any of the crazy shit. Like, that uh, yeah, I, like, I want you to, like, stop being around the bush and, like, just, just go for dead center. What's the craziest shit you've ever done? Huh. Hmm. There was one time... Oh, God. fucking say it. I know. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> There's a big blur. Okay. I got a pretty decent story. This one, I don't think it's as crazy, but I remember bringing this girl to this club, right? It's like 18 year old chick with her friend. She was dating some dude at the time and I didn't care. Um, Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> I brought her to this club, right? And I had gotten them alcohol. They were fucking going shot for shot in the fucking car. When we got to the club, I told her one thing. I said, don't get on the stage. About an hour goes by, and where's she at? On the stage. On the fucking stage. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm having a good time. My friends are all there. And she, like, 15 minutes later, she, she's crying in the back with her friend. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> she's like, I lost my phone. I was like, shut the fuck up. I'll buy you a new one tomorrow. Like, I had money, and I just was a kid, so I just spent it. You know, I, if I had rent money, whatever else was fucking, whatever I wanted to do. So, they're complaining and bitching at each other, like, you got me drunk, you got me drunk, when they got shot for shot. And the bouncer looks at me, and he's like, what's going on? And I look at him, this dude's big. I mean, this dude's big. I'm not going to fight him. I was not going to fight him for them. It was, yeah. it, it, it was like... If me and him had a problem, that's one thing. I'm not going to get in a fight because you're being a dumb drunk bitch. Yeah. After I told you the one thing to do. Martin's weird. You know, like, after I told you not to do it, and I just, like, the thing that you're crying about is, like, I'm going to fix it. It's a fucking material thing. I'm not going to fight about that. That's a stupid fucking reason. You know, this dude came up, hey, what's going on? Fuck your mom. I might have fought him. But... Not for that reason. Yeah, it wasn't worth it to you. No. Especially, like, they were just being dumb. And I was trying to fix it. I was trying to, like, put it, trying to square it away. They just weren't having it. Dude comes back five minutes later, they're still bitching and complaining. So I just push him out the door. I'm like, we're leaving. We're fucking leaving. We go to the car. They're still arguing. They're getting in. And the passenger door is still open while they reverse. And it pulls back. Like, it, like, hyper extends, you know? It gets caught on the car next to it and just pries open Jesus pull forward they shut the door and they dip there's like three guys next to the car that just saw what happened I look at them and I'm like hey you guys want to go in the club <laughs> I'm like yeah I was like you guys didn't see anything did you what you talking about perfect let's go go to the club with them for like another hour I drive home I'm like text Sarah or whatever I'm like hey did Veronica get home she's like I don't fucking know I thought she was with you I was like what the fuck are you talking about apparently she Sarah had either pushed her or Veronica had gotten out like right off of the fucking highway exit like just out of the fucking car and was there for an hour without a phone 
She got a taxi ride home somehow, but did not have any way to pay it. So she got a taxi to her boyfriend's house. She had a taxi she couldn't pay for. So then the police showed up. <laughs> yeah. Damn. So, um, like, moral of the story is don't get on the stage. <laughs> don't get, just don't get on the stage. Besides that, I think around that time, you know, I was raving a lot. I was partying with, like, this, we called, you know, we were a little family. Little I was going to say, I, I feel like you have some rave stories. Yeah, I remember buying, like, $300, $400 worth of pills and just handing them out. Holy fuck. Like, I was never a drug dealer. I never made any money off of dealing drugs or selling drugs, but I could find whatever I wanted. And I had a good job. Like, I was young and making a good amount of money. And so I was just handing shit out to see people be happy. Like, just just see them have a good time. But about that time was like, you know, these, my friends are, they're young. They were like 18. I was like 20. Some of them were fucking 17. You know, like, I was seeing the, the problem the addiction like this fucking meth problem like ecstasy is methylene dioxide methamphetamine MDMA it's an amphetamine it's meth at, at its core shit right? yeah and I start seeing these kids grow these fucking patterns that are unhealthy and like I, I really had stopped doing it I was kind of more there to like watch them hold on to their shit if someone offered me some psychedelics I might take it but I was kind of off the stimulants because I was seeing this shit seeing it the way it was affecting them yeah you didn't want to get to that point yeah like I had gotten close enough in like months prior to that that I was like kind of getting away from it I was starting to back off and I was I had just applied to the universities and kind of like gotten accepted so I was like I'm about to leave in a couple months like I need to clean up my fucking act I need to get my shit together because I'm going to go to school and I'm trying to take that serious but yeah, I just remember handing that shit out, and that that whole era, that like 18 to 20, 21 for me, was a lot of partying, a lot of experimentation with psychedelics and stimulants, and my sexuality. Fuck, I remember bringing a 17-year-old home with me. Like, she lived in Long Beach, and she moved in with me. Her parents were cool with it. Her parents were fine with it. And... She was there for about a month until I was like, look, no, I can't do this. Like, I'm coming home, and for two weeks straight, you've done nothing but play Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's all you do. You're like, holy fuck. Yeah, like, the first day she was over, she made me pancakes, she made me breakfast. I was like, fuck, yeah. Like, good move. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that's, like, all I wanted is I just wanted, to, like, I needed some support, you know? It's like, I'm working, and I'm going to school, and I'm trying to, like like take care of you emotionally and all you're doing is playing Pokemon <laughs> the least you could do is make some fucking food or clean up or wash some dishes and that's not like because she's a woman thing it's just because it's like you're at home if you had a job go like she was working on different she had school that she was supposed to do she wasn't doing that shit and so it just got to the point where I was like, like I can't do this anymore yeah. like this is it was the emotions were pure and good, but it just didn't work, like, logically, functionally. Yeah. It just wasn't going to happen. There was no benefit. Yeah. And, I mean, there was a benefit, but, and most of that was sexual, but, like, at that point, I was like, no, you, I'm not going to do this. If, it's not enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, if this doesn't work functionally, then I'm not going to, like, pretend it does just to get something out of it. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a bad idea, and I should have realized that, and now I'm putting it into this. That's awesome that, like, it seems, you know, as you said earlier, you know, you went straight into these decisions because you're curious about the outcome, but it seems like you've learned enough from each one to the point where you just make smart-ass decisions now. I try to. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's that saying? You know, you look into the abyss and the abyss looks back into you. Yeah. Like, that was, it was kind of like this, this just... I just went into darkness for a couple of years and I just lived there for a couple of years and I was lucky enough to find my way out. But you have to want to find your way out, you know? Like, when you get into that shit and you're dealing with uh, controlled substances, it's it's inevitable, or not inevitable, but you run that risk of, you know, being addicted or, or catching a charge or, you know, plenty of other things. You could fucking die. 
you fucking catch an STD, whatever the fuck it is, you know? There's so many things that could go wrong that if anyone listens to this and is interested about doing these things, I would just say do your research and know your dealer. That's a big one. That is a big one nowadays with shit like fentanyl and shit going through. Yeah. Like, that was something that I never really fucked with Molly because Molly is a fucking white powder in a gel capsule. It could be whatever the fuck they want it to be. And they're selling it to you as MDMA or MDA, you know? It's never about that because it just, it didn't sit right with me. There's, I was like, yeah, it might feel, I had it a couple times. It was like, it might feel good, but something about a less pressed pill for me where I could go look it up and look at fucking, uh, reports and like fucking know what was in it for the most part that was a little bit safer for me even even with running the risk of fucking doing drugs itself like you some people have reactions to ecstasy where they just fucking fall over dead they take one two pills and they're just dead so it's like even if you're gonna do something that is risque or dangerous you can at least still do it wisely you know don't take don't go trip or do some crazy shit for your first time out in the middle of fucking public in a giant fucking crowd. It's yeah. probably not the best idea. Definitely not. Do, do it at home where it's like no one's home. You have a backyard. Like, you know, you're with good people. It's all about set and setting. It's all about where you are and who you're with. And if that's good, then you'll have a good time. Like, I remember doing the, the first time I did acid, man. It was bad. It was really bad. Like, um, I was with my buddy, and it was my first time. And I, we went to my brother, because my brother had some. And so, he and my brother played rock, paper, scissors to see if I either got one or two, uh, like, tabs for my first time. Yeah. And I got two. And at one point, I had just gotten stuck in this loop my buddy was the one I was dating at the time he and I were kind of in a rough patch and I was talking to this other girl that I kind of had a thing for like I had feelings for and so I ended up texting her in the middle of it and it just I just went on the loop I, I was just smacking the wall over and over and over and over again for like half an hour I couldn't get out of this fucking loop Damn. and what he ended up doing which was probably actually helped me a lot was he popped me a pill like an ecstasy and I just fell asleep which if you know me I get a bang in me and I can't shut the fuck up I can't sit still yeah that is not like me it's not like me to just fucking sit still after you just gave me something that's supposed to stimulate me at all another crazy thing with him was when we started when we started experimenting a lot we took like a pill a night for a week straight right yeah and that was a great fucking week. It was an awful two months after, and that did not help my anger issues. But what he didn't tell me was he was actually, like, in the midst of trying to kill himself. Oh, shit. There were these pills that were called white rhinos, and they have MDMA and DXM in them. And what that does is it tears your brain chemistry apart. You have a downer and an upper. So you have these chemicals in your brain going opposite ways, and it'll fucking it'll rip you. I remember him, like... We were like mid trips, like two in the fucking morning, and he just stopped breathing. And I'm still really new to this shit, so like he's like laying down, you know, his eyes are closed, he's shallow breathing, and all of a sudden it stops. Like I'm sitting there, like I don't know if he's just like if I should interrupt, if he's tripping, if I should interrupt it, if I should let him go. But after he stopped breathing for a little bit, I just slapped the shit out of him, and he woke up. Damn. Yeah, and that was that was really fucking scary. That was probably terrifying. Yeah, that was, I mean, at that point, I was just happy he was back up. So that was really, really scary. I think the most recent kind of crazy story I have was prior to me joining the Navy. And it was, at this point, like, I was talking to my girl, and I was kind of, I, I had been talking to her about her, about the way I feel. And I remember telling her something like, I would go to hell and back for her. Right? Like, those were my words specifically. And I was working summer camp for the YMCA, teaching kids how to skate. I had been there all day, I hadn't eaten much, but uh, I go to my buddy's house and I'm hanging out with him and he and I are kind of arguing about some shit about me and this chick. And pretty much at one point, 
we're done arguing, you know, we're like, all right, let's just go chill. We're just going to fucking chill out. This is my good buddy. And when I get up, I walk to the door out of his bathroom. We're hanging out in his bathroom. Because it's a big bathroom. And I go blind. Like, I can't see shit. My vision is gone. And I'm just kind of like hanging onto the door sills. And he kind of comes up to me, puts his hand behind my back, and he's like, are you all right, buddy? I'm like, bro, I can't fucking see. Like, I'm going blind. I don't know what the fuck's going on, right? Mm-hmm. I take another step, and I wake up on his bed in a cold sweat. Holy shit. And he's just looking at me with this this look of fear, of fucking terror. Like, I thought you were dead. I didn't know what the fuck happened yet. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I look at him, and I'm like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, you kind of, like, fainted and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Let's, 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 like, step by step. You know, I got up. I was in the door sill. I took a step. He goes, yeah, and you, like, started to fall over, and I caught you. And then he goes, and you kind of, he kind of, like, nodded his head back and forth. And I was like, did I just convulse? He goes, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? Damn. Like, that is the closest I've ever felt to death. And I didn't know, it was, it was, a lot of it probably was dehydration, um, you know, not being fed well, and anxiety. It was probably just, like, a, a severe fucking anxiety attack. But it's like, like I was saying earlier, like, people, I don't think people understand how sensitive I am, where it's like, shit actually does affect me, to a point where, like, I had such a bad anxiety attack that I was convulsing shit yeah because it's almost like you know at least the way that i view you it's almost like you're untouchable like nothing can break you you know the you know you're always chilling you have your shit together um sometimes you scream really loudly attack people and say you hear voices in your head (laughs) but other than that you're completely normal and it almost seems like you know you got a heart of gold and you kind of are just just a stronghold for others and yourself so it almost is like I feel like I can't say anything to hurt you. And I think that's, with that, like, you, people, like, the individual gives people power. The individual is the one who gives people power over them. Like, in order for you to hurt me emotionally, like, I have to give you that. Yeah. And that's not saying I don't, like, like, I have to care about your opinion, and I have to care about you for your opinion of me being, you know, neg- your negative opinion to affect me. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, there's there's bullshitting around where it's like you and I fuck around and we talk shit to each other. And there's that. And then there's like people you don't know that are like fucking, you want to call them haters or, you know, whatever that are going to dog on you. You don't know this, but you don't know that person. So why the fuck's it matter? That person could be the biggest piece of shit in the world. And you're going to let their opinion of you affect you? Fuck no. Exactly. So it, it's like, when I really give a shit, that's when things really affect me. Like, when I really give a shit about you, and, like, some shit starts happening, I start thinking about it a lot. Like, that's... It's weird, because that's, I think, my friends, from when I'm younger, know that when I'm quiet, something's up. Because I'm generally not that quiet. Yeah. Like... As, as you've seen me open up, I'm really not that quiet. When I'm really quiet for long periods of time, that's when it's like, what's going on, buddy? Because I'm probably in my head. Yeah, see, and I've only seen that maybe twice from you. Yeah. And I've been living with you since kind of like March. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we've like, I've told you that like something was going on. You come clean about it. Yeah. You don't necessarily bottle it inside. It's just your emotions are completely different from when you're not upset about something. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not, like, the biggest believer in, like, astrology and that shit, but, like, my sign very much is that I'm a cancer, so I shell up yeah. in defense. And that's another thing, like, you're saying I'm untouchable, like, that's my armor. Inside, I'm a squishy little, like, membrane, bro. I'm a squishy little sponge, like, a little soak up, like, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm an empath, too. It's like, when someone's feeling a certain way... It's like, I want to help, and, like, I start to get, like, I attach to that. Yeah. So I have to be careful with that. I have to be careful with who I get close with and who I attach to because it could be poison for me. 
and a lot of the time from what I found out is I love poison. Apparently, I love toxic relationships for the most part. Like with women or with friends, doesn't matter. Something about that self-sabotage mechanism in our head, apparently I fucking love it. So I've been working on that, about having healthier relationships and honestly communicating about it because that's, that's the golden fucking truth. That's the best way to have any relationship, you know, romantic or not, is just communicating. That's what's going to hold it strong, is being honest, saying what you mean, and just openly communicating. Whether you think they can handle it all the time or not, it's like, if you need to say something and get it out of your, uh, like, off your chest, then you need to do that. Otherwise, it's going to build and build and build. And then it's going to come out in other ways. Yeah. And that's like, that's... That's like ignorance to it, you know? It's, it's you're ignoring the problem instead of dealing with it, instead of embracing it and going like, like I'm a problem solver. If there's a problem, I'm gonna brass tacks, get fucking down to it. Just get it now. Just fucking kill it. Instead of, we'll, we'll talk, like, no, I don't wanna talk about it. I don't wanna, it's just awkward. Like, fuck that. I don't give a fuck about awkward. I live in awkward. Like, yes, I, you do. Yeah. And that's. You bought a pair of overalls this week. I love my overalls, okay? They are wonderful. And my mom sent me a panda sleep mask because she knows I love pandas. But yeah, I just, I don't know. There's, I don't get really awkward. I really don't get that awkward. Yeah. So, I think it's like, people who get awkward haven't been in that situation. And so I like putting people in that situation. Because it's both like, a, it's a growing experience. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it's almost like desensitizing yourself to a point where it's like you see so much that nothing really affects you too much. And maybe that's part of what this is. Is that like I, For a 27-year-old, I would like to say I'm fairly experienced. Like I've seen a lot. I've done a lot of things. I haven't been out of the country very much, but like with social interactions, I've been through a lot. Like I've been to hell and back. So I kind of know when to like either, you know, fucking cut it, when to keep going with it, or, like, like, I just, I feel like I've been there. And so it's, like, a callus. It doesn't affect me as much as it used to. I mean, certain things still do, but just being through what I've been through, like, nothing surprises me that much anymore yet. Yeah. And I know there will. Something soon to come will. But, like, you know, it's a difference of, like, a seven, like, the 18-year-olds here arguing and getting all fucking flustered about it or, you know, getting flustered about how to fucking clean when it's like, dude, this is so good. Like, I've been I've been in some shitty situations where the shit they have us do is nothing. It's really not that bad. And that's exactly why I wanted to interview you, you know, aside from the fact that I say that you're unstable <laughs> and I'm not the only one. <laughs> but, you know, I really have always thought to myself like basically ever since I met you that you do have some valuable insight you do have something you can offer to others and for that I admire and respect you greatly so that's the whole reason why I wanted to do this and I do appreciate all the insight that you've given the listeners myself um anyone who listens to this consider yourselves lucky this is a great man who has kind of poured his whole heart out into this and I really appreciate that response that he has given me and the honor he has given me to interview you Thank you, yeah, of course, man. Uh, do you have anything else for the listeners? I think the main thing about this world is to find happiness. Like, Buddhists call it enlightenment, enlightenment, right? But I think the biggest thing in this world is just to make yourself happy. Find out what makes you happy, set a goal, and achieve it. And then after you do that, set the next one and get that one. But do what makes you happy. And sometimes, like, like it's not going to come without sacrifices. You have to be willing to make sacrifices. What makes you happy may not be stable. And so there, that's where you might have to compromise. And sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can't. But it all depends on kind of, like, how much you're willing to sacrifice or what you're willing to sacrifice and where that tends to lead you, like... In my case, like, wanting to go fucking pro and skateboarding and literally sacrificing, like, my body, my physical health, and even my financial stability. Like, I was working three jobs, skating, and hardly making ends meet, but I was super fucking happy. 
I looked like a fucking rat, but I was stoked. Now it's like I sacrificed something different, you know? It's like kind of, it's, it's like rights and a little bit of my freedoms to do, you know, what I'm doing now in the Navy, but I'm still really happy because my end goal has changed. Like my end goal of having a family as like, you know, that's almost like a complete 180. But that would still make me really happy. And I think in the, like, in my future, that'll make me happier. Having kids and being able to support them and kind of passing the torch and doing something now that's not just for me, like not just, oh, I'm a, I'm a pro skateboarder, like that's what I do, that's for me. Instead, it'll make me happier being like, I'm supporting my family, that's what I do. I bleed so that they don't have to. That's mine, but I would just say, find something that makes you happy, set a goal, have it, you know, I think a big part, especially in this system, is somehow making it profitable. Yeah. And as much as that sucks, like, that's the game. That's the reality of the situation. And that was a big point where it was like, I think for so long in my life, I wanted to reject the game. I never wanted to play. And at some point I went, okay, I'll play. I'll play, I'll play really good. I'll be the best like, cause that's what, when I do something, I do, I put my heart and soul into it or I don't do it. That to me is the only way to do things. Either you give it all or you don't do it. And that's okay. If you're not going to do it, just don't do it. But don't say you're going to do something and then not actually try. You know, like if you're going to do something, you better fucking go head in and balls deep. You better fucking go for it and put every inch of your soul into it. Otherwise, what it's good for. Like in 10,000 years, no one's going to remember it. But that's a reflection of your character. You're going to do something because maybe someone will remember me, or are you going to do it because that's who you are and that's what you want to do? Like, where does it come from? Is it the reward, or is it who gives a fuck? I believe in this. This is what I believe in. This is who I am, and I know that, so I'm going to do it to my standards. So just, you know, do, do what you do. Find what makes you happy. Set a goal make sacrifices and give everything you got to get that that's the way you're going to get it making those sacrifices bleeding for it and pouring yourself into it damn that was some serious that was a serious knowledge bomb right there man <laughs> fuck dude i hell i appreciate the hell out of that dude i shit i needed to hear that more than anyone probably <laughs> it helps man honestly sometimes like you just got to buckle down and Maybe, ch- maybe chop off the limb, you know? Yeah. Shit. Well, hey, thank you all so much for tuning in. I appreciate you all. Thank you especially to my man, Zach, for giving me the honor of this interview. It was probably the best episode we've had for sure and the most fun I've had during an episode. Uh, the next episode will be focused on the quarantine life and the events that have been happening around our world. And as you know, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to go ahead and get that update for when the next episode is out. And today's movie of the day is Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth. It's about two hours of action-packed violence with a tear-jerker storyline. So go ahead and check that out on Netflix if you're aboard today. As always, this is your host, Bobby Litt. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Live Tight, Hang Loose podcast, and you have a wonderful rest of your day.